Thursday, October 19th, 7.30 p.m. at First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way in Berkeley. Wheelchair accessible, this KPFA benefit might remind you to renew your passport. Tickets available at brownpapertickets.com and the customary independent bookstores. October 19th. Tell friends. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover. Families, friends, and neighbors in Napa, we're asked to boil the water because now the air and water are so compromised. Do you hear the voices of prophetizing environmentalists? Do you hear the voices of the First Peoples saying, respect, love, and protect Mother Earth? Do you think the increase of natural disasters is linked to the denial of climate change and the abuse of the Earth's resources? I do. Today, in Open Book, we honor and celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. Our guest, John Curl, writer, activist, whose new book, Indigenous Peoples Day, just caught the unlikely attention of Time magazine. John Curl, who curated the history of this successful, decades-long international community organizing campaign, began in the 1970s. Today, the relentless, long-term educating alliance, building, organizing, has brought city by city to the rejection of the big lie that Christopher Columbus was the discoverer of America. The understanding of the true story that he and other Europeans were invaders has been adopted by city after U.S. city to replace Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day. This is what Time magazine had to say about the book Indigenous Peoples Day curated by John Curl, Indigenous Peoples Day Committee a handbook for activists and documentary history. Quote from Time magazine. While the federal government will close on October 9th for the 80th commemoration of Columbus Day, which was made official by President Franklin Roosevelt in 1937, some cities will mark the day in a different way choosing rather to focus on the original inhabitants of the land to which Christopher Columbus sailed. Indigenous Peoples Day was first adopted by Berkeley, California City Council on October 22, 1991, and observed the following year with activities and cultural events throughout the city and Bay Area in lieu of the Columbus Quinton Centennial marking the 500th anniversary of his arrival in the Americas. Its purpose, according to the IPD 1992 event flyer, was, quote, to express appreciation for our survival, acknowledgement of our contribution to today's world community, and to commemorate our fallen patriots, end quote. 
This year marks the 25th annual commemoration in that city and many other municipalities will follow suit as polarization around this history deepens in the light of the discussion of whether public memorials to Columbus ought to come down. This controversy represents a marked departure from the attitude FDR displayed when he pronounced Columbus Day a celebration of the, quote, promise which Columbus's discovery gave to the world, unquote. A document that sheds light on how the day was first reconsidered was recently published by the Indigenous People's Day Committee to commemorate its diamond anniversary. Indigenous Peoples Day, a handbook for activists and documentary history, provides the details of the early years of this growing movement. Though the first Indigenous Peoples Day was celebrated in the early 1990s, the idea took shape many years earlier. According to the book's curator, John Curl, the first seeds of the idea to to commemorate the histories and cultures of Indigenous peoples throughout the Americas in lieu of Columbus Day were planted in 1977 in Geneva at the first international NGO conference on discrimination against indigenous populations in the Americas. The conference included, quote, the first, the widest, and most united representation of indigenous nations, unquote. In modern history, Curl writes, By the conclusion of the conference, a list of recommendations were drafted outlining a course of action to support indigenous people's right to self-determination. And there, in Article 1 of the Geneva Resolution, was the foremost contention of the conference, a rebuttal to the doctrine of discovery. The conference attendees stated their intentions to observe October 12th, the day of the so-called, quote, discovery, unquote, of America as an international day of solidarity with indigenous peoples of America. Yet the idea remained dormant for years. Then, in 1984, President Reagan appointed the U.S. Columbus Quincentennial Jubilee Commission to plan, encourage, and coordinate and conduct the commemoration of the voyages of Christopher Columbus, unquote. Regan's uncritical acceptance of the discovery narrative was clearly demonstrated two years later in his Columbus Day proclamation when he stated, quote, This great explorer won a place in history and in the hearts of all Americans because he challenged the unknown and thereby found a new world. As Regan's romanticism of the 1492 event suggests, the Columbus Quincentennial was to be an international jubilee. Spain agreed to create replicas of Columbus's three ships and sail them to Miami to arrive in February 1992. The ships would set anchor in various cities along the East Coast, arrive in the Boston Harbor in August, after which barges would tow them to Panama and then the West Coast. It was amid that planning that the first continental conference on 500 years of indigenous resistance was held in 1990 in Quito, Ecuador. Curl notes that the representative at the conference were unambiguous in their opposition to the forthcoming event. 
quote, we affirm our emphatic rejection of the quincentennial celebration they wrote in the Quito Declaration and the firm promise that we will turn that date into an occasion to strengthen our process of continental unity and struggle towards our liberation. The following year, the All Natives Conference held at DQ University in Davis, California, the first tribal college in the United States, and the All Peoples Network Conference at Laney College in Oakland, California, led to the creation of the Resistance 500 Coalition, which organized the first Indigenous Peoples Day on October 10th, 1992. And it was no coincidence that the event would be held in Berkeley. The plan for the finale of the quincentennial celebration was that the ships would sail, as Curl put it, quote, under the majestic Golden Gate Bridge into the San Francisco Harbor on October 12th as the national focal point and centerpiece of the Grand Hoopla. But the devil was in the financial details. First, after Texaco backed out of a $5 million sponsorship pledge, the Quincentennial Commission, which was only allotted $1 million by Congress for the project, was in dire straits. Second, as the Washington Post reported in November 1991, the commission's chairman resigned in the midst of accusations of bribery and mismanagement. Third, a few days after the replicated ships arrived in the Boston Harbor as scheduled, the commission's co-chair announced that logistics demanded the cancellation of the West Coast tour. Fourth, the effective activism of the Resistance 500 coalition throughout the Bay Area undermined quincentenary support, so much so that the West Coast cities also failed to raise adequate funds despite a last-ditch effort by the Bay Area Committee. It was within this context that Berkeley launched its first commemoration of the Indigenous Peoples' Day. The legacy of that first conference in Geneva 40 years ago has also flourished in a worldwide movement culminating into the adaptation of the United Nations Historic Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, based on the resolution of that first international gathering of indigenous people of the Americas. And in all the years since, their message to the United States and the world remains the same. We are still here. Well, John Curl, welcome to the program and congratulations on receiving such an amazing review from such an unlikely source. Thank you so much, Nina. Well, John, well, how did you start this project? The, the first inkling of it came to me when I, I, was, I was working at somebody's house in Oakland. And, because uh, you were a carpenter? Yeah, I'm a carpenter, a cabinet maker, I, doing a woodworking and uh, doing a, uh, I was probably doing some kind of remodeling for the people I don't really particularly remember. But they had a, uh, a box of old National Geographics in their closet and they asked me if I wanted them and right on top was this National Geographic about Columbus. And I opened it up. It discussed very briefly about just exactly what Columbus had done, that he was not just an explorer, but he was a conquistador. The purpose of his voyage was 
to conquer other people's lands and to to take their wealth and to bring it back to uh, to Spain. And he became governor of uh, of certain Caribbean islands, and he started the transatlantic slave trade. He he was unable to gather up enough gold to satisfy the people who were financing his voyage, and he decided to uh, just round up indigenous people and uh, sell them in the slave market in Seville. That was the beginning of it. Most of us know the native people in the Caribbean welcomed him in as an honored guest. But as soon as he stepped one foot on, onto their land, he claimed it for Spain. He claimed other people's land for Spain. And that was the beginning, the very, very beginning of colonialism and imperialism in the Americas. And that is the day that October 12, 1492, that's the day we're commemorating. So there you were reading an old magazine and you find this article and how did that lead to your participation in this over 40 year successful campaign there was this little organization a fairly small organization at the time called the south and mesoamerican indian information center in oakland run by a mapuche man from argentina named nilo cayoqueo who is actually going to be coming as a guest at the powwow uh, this week Nilo was organizing uh, indigenous Latino people, uh, both in the United States and in Latin America, and was in contact with uh, with Native people all throughout the Americas. The goal of the organization was, was broader than just the focus on Indigenous Peoples Day in 1492. But that was the immediate focus because everyone was aware that the 500-year anniversary was coming up. Somehow or other, I, I had a, a subscription to their little magazine, and there was a notice in it. There was going to be a, a conference of native people from all over Latin America and, and all over North America in Quito, Ecuador, to discuss and decide how to respond to this big uh, hoopla that they were planning uh, to celebrate imperialism and, and genocide. Uh, so I contacted uh, Nilo. I went down there and spoke to him. You know, we really uh, were on we're, we were on the same uh, wavelength, so to speak. The, the result of our conversation, the the idea came out. So that I would float the concept uh, that, that Berkeley needs to respond to what's uh, going on because, uh, you know, we're part of the Bay Area and these, these things were coming at us at the time. That, that was before anybody knew that it was going to be canceled. And in fact, it would not have been canceled except for the agitation that, that we were able to do. Nilo and I wrote a letter to Lonnie Hancock, and she was all on board. And, uh, you know, once she got on board, she agreed to, uh, you know, send me down there as, a, as, her, as, as her representative. And, you know, sec- secondarily as the representative of Berkeley, but, but basically as the representative of the, of the mayor of Berkeley, to um, bring the message to Native people throughout the Americas that Berkeley cares very deeply about what they were trying to do. And we want to work with you and give us give us direction as to uh, how can we be part of the response to what is coming at us. And the the conference uh, gave that response. Everyone, everyone, there were hundreds of native people and then a certain amount of non-native people there also. And at the end of the conference, everyone was asked or tasked to to take this back to their own community uh, to put it into practice. To, to, to transform the the celebration, what's going to be a celebration of uh, of colonialism, to transform it into a day of uh, liberation for Native people and for uh, for people on this continent. Wow, and that was over 40 years ago. 
That was what it was 40 years ago, and many of us, uh, you know, took it very, very seriously, and we took, it was a wonderful, uh, uh, very profound uh, conference and situation with hundreds of, of spiritual elders there, and uh, they gave us this uh, task. I had a, a native man named Ed Bernstick who was a, my, one of my roommates, and he kind of uh, took me under his wing, so to speak, and they explained to me what was going on with native people. At that point, just the concept of... Uh, of, of native people and non-native people that, that you, you could think of the world as indigenous people and non-indigenous people. That, that concept had never really uh, occurred to me until uh, Ed explained to me how, uh, just how important that was. In, in order for the, for the planet to survive, we all have to learn how to become indigenous. We all have to l- learn how to live in sustainable ways. We all have to learn how to respect uh, Mother Earth which gives sustenance to us all and to live in peace with our neighbors and, you know, respect each other's cultures, to live in indigenous ways that Native people have been doing since time immemorial. So I started to understand from from being up there how important this is, not just for, uh, you know, for people who are are ethnically Native, but for for everyone, because we're in a a place in, 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 in history where, as almost everyone knows by now that either we change our ways or uh, we're destroying the planet we're not going to have uh, we're not going to have any any livable habitat for our great grandchildren it's going to be all gone if we don't change the way we uh, the way we live and native people have been doing this these are these need to be our, our role, role models we need to learn from them and and by t- to do that we need to connect with them could you read us a little from your book Okay, certainly. Indigenous Peoples Day springs from today's resurgence of Native peoples, from the exposure of the true history behind the Columbus mythology, from the deep yearnings of all caring people to move beyond the destructive culture of domination, exploitation, and greed, and to leave for our seventh generation grandchildren a peaceful, just, balanced, sustainable living world. On Indigenous Peoples Day, we celebrate the Native peoples and cultures of the world and their spirit of respect for the earth through living in sustainable ways, a philosophy that has kept Native cultures flourishing despite the hardships of the last centuries. Native American cultures are very varied, yet share that common philosophical core. In past centuries, Europeans chose to colonize other lands and exploit other peoples instead of staying home and living with their neighbors in peace. The colonial project in the Americas over the last 525 years has cost countless lives. Christopher Columbus embodies that tragic history. Indigenous Peoples Day is a time when Native and non-Native people can meet and mingle, get to know each other better, and gain deeper connections in the community. In many urban areas today, Native people are neighbors, although some non-Natives may not be very aware of it. In the Berkeley powwow, everyone is invited to dance in the round dances, young and old, of every ethnicity sharing the dance circle, and everyone can browse and converse their way through the Indian market. This year, we we will be offering docent tours of the powwow led by Native people to bridge non-Natives' understanding and participation. When is that powwow? This is next Saturday, the 14th. We always do it on the second Saturday of October. And the reason for that 
is that there are many powwows going on. So among the native community, they all have it kind of worked out. You know, you do your powwow on the on the on the first Saturday. We'll do our powwow on the second Saturday. So it doesn't always coincide with um, with the the official U.S. government uh, day that they that they set aside. It's kind of a different. It's a different cycle. So, so in any case, it's, it's Saturday, October fourteenth, ten a.m. to six p.m. It's free, sponsored by the city of Berkeley, uh, in in uh, Martin Luther King Civic Center Park, uh, you know, right right behind City Hall, and uh, everyone uh, is is invited. Do you have any other sections that you can read us? Uh, certainly. What about those of us who did not come from indigenous blood or culture? Modern American mass society is still based on a colonial mindset and has not yet made its peace with this continent. We are on it, but not yet of it. We have not yet learned how to live in indigenous American ways. To learn the right ways of living on Turtle Island, non-indigenous Americans can begin by making our peace with history and and with the native peoples. Lost in the Euro-American version of liberty has been community and sustainability. While we have gained in in mobility, we have paid the heavy price of profound alienation, rootlessness, institutionalized social justice, injustice, environmental devastation. The Native people's struggle for control of their communities and respect for Mother Earth can light the way. Every society tells creation myths to its children. And the Euro-American creation myth that most of us learned as small children is the Columbus story. I bought a children's book recently that lays it out just as I heard it many years ago. Columbus, the visionary explorer, stumbles on a new world where he is welcomed by people who are awed by Europe's superior cultural gifts. The children's story ends with Columbus returning to Spain with the amazing news. But, of course... The reality was far different and did not end there. Columbus returned to the New World with a great armada and proceeded to conquer and plunder wherever he went. His own writings clearly show that this this had always been his plan. Unable to find enough gold to fulfill the financial promises he'd made to his backers, Columbus rounded up Native Americans and sent them back to be sold in the slave market in Seville. Christopher Columbus started slavery in the Americas, and invented the transatlantic slave trade. Yet Native peoples have survived. Over 5 million people in the U.S. today are all or part American Indian, and many of the 55 million Latinos in the U.S. today are partly or wholly of indigenous descent. In facing the realities of the European invasion of the Americas with all its pain, in accepting an historical narrative based on truth instead of lies, in looking for new constructive origin tales to pass on to our children, where is there to turn but backwards to the very oldest stories of our hemisphere, here in the Americas or on Turtle Island or Abyayala, as they say in the Andes, perhaps our greatest hope for a livable future lies in the ancient Incan vision of this book, The Joining of the Condors and the Eagle's Tears. You just heard John Curl reading from his book, Indigenous People's Day, curated by John Curl, Indigenous People's Day Committee.
a handbook for activists and documentary history. Thank you so much, John. Could you repeat to us again the details of the upcoming powwow? Yes, it is uh, next Saturday, uh, Saturday, uh, October 14th, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. in Martin Luther King Civic Center Park in Berkeley. It's uh, free and, and open to the public, and everyone is invited to come and to participate. Well, if you want to get this book, one way is to go to your local books, independent bookstore, and maybe order it, ask for it, go to the library, ask them to please put in Indigenous Peoples Day curated by John Curl, or go online and you can get it very quickly. So, John, thank you so much. And thank you, Nina, for having me. It's always a pleasure, and we wish everybody a very, very wonderful Indigenous Peoples Day weekend. DeVos, the current United States Secretary of Education, is the sister of Blackwater founder Eric Prince. A grim truth. Neither of them like public education. Diane Radvich does. Diane is America's most informed spokeswoman for public education. She has now joined another strong advocate of public education, Jitu Brown, National Director of the Journey for Justice campaign. Together they oppose DeVos and the looming catastrophe of increased school privatizing. Diane Ravage and Jitu Brown will appear at a KPFA benefit on Friday, October 13th, 7.30 p.m. at Oakland Technical High School. 
Kevin Cartwright will be hosting. 4351 Broadway in Oakland. The event is wheelchair accessible. Tickets are available at brownpapertickets.com, Marcus Books, and other indie bookshops. This is Philip Mulderie, host of The Sunday Show. Join me and my guests every Sunday morning, 9 to 11. We'll be talking about politics. We'll be talking about the state of things around us. Plus, we open the phones to your called-in questions and comments. That's every Sunday morning, The Sunday Show on community-powered KPFA. This is Dennis Bernstein from the Flashpoints team. Are you singing the blues about corporate news? Are you interested in the news behind the censored news? Then your ticket to the truth is Flashpoints, the electronic canary in the coal mine of corporate disinformation. Tune in to Flashpoints every weekday at 5 p.m. on KPFA listener-sponsored radio for the Bay Area and beyond. Thank you. listening to 94.1 KPFA and 